friends. My name once again is Jeremy Hall, and I am very grateful to have the opportunity to be with all of y'all this morning. The lectionary text for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I think it's important to remember that Matthew has an agenda. To be pretentious, I'm going to read from my own book for a second about Matthew. Now, give me a break. It came out like 12 days ago, so this is still very new and exciting for me. So don't judge me too hard. Matthew is one of the Gospels in the Bible. It tells the story of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is the most Jewish of the Gospels. It wants us to understand that Jesus is a direct continuation of the story that the Old Testament was telling, of the blessing of the whole world. It wants us to understand that Jesus is a new Moses, that Jesus is a new prophet, that Jesus is a new king, that Jesus is Emmanuel, an old word that means God with us. One of the main agendas of the author, that the author of Matthew is working, one of his primary angles, is that Jesus is continuing that Old Testament story of the people of God, that Jesus is fulfilling, continuing, explaining, expanding, redeeming the story that God has been telling through the chosen people. So with this in mind, I want us to climb a few mountains together today. Exodus 19, I'm going to read from 16 to 20. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning. A cloud covered the mountain, that's Mount Sinai, and a very loud horn sounded. All the people among the tents shook with fear. Then Moses brought the people from among the tents to meet God. They stood at the base of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord came down upon it in fire. Its smoke went up like the smoke of a stove and the whole mountain shook. The sound of the horn became louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him with thunder. Then the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and he went up. You all know this story, right? This is Moses going up the mountain to meet with God and receive the Ten Commandments. Moses, and just Moses, goes up the mountain. A, a quick aside, there is some brilliant ambiguity in this passage about who gets to go where and when and how far and what God wants and what Moses wants and what the people want. For being such a familiar story, it's a very complicated passage. If you want to test your reading comprehension sometime, you should try to diagram. Like, try to draw this chapter, try to figure out who's where, when. It, it's wild. But to be fair, if God just landed on out and shook the earth, set the mountain on fire was speaking like thunder and trumpets out of a tornado, my writing might be a little wonky too. So Moses goes up the mountain, and he alone speaks with God, and he himself is transfigured. He shines like the sun from having been so close to the divine, and he has to cover his face to keep from scaring the people. Moses has a transforming encounter with God. Moses receives the tablets of the law, 
and brings them as a mediator between God and the people back to the people of God. Moses brings the call to obedience to the people too. Exodus 19, 5 and 6, the Lord says, Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So, Moses encounters God, is transformed by God, brings the law, and calls the people back to obedience. Okay, tuck that away in your brain, and we'll circle back around to it. But now let's jump forward in the story about 700 years to the ministry of the prophet Elijah. That's Elijah with a J. Elisha is his disciple. I'm going to say it wrong at some point in the sermon. I just can't help it. So I'm talking about Elijah. 1 Kings 18, I'm going to read from 20 to 24. All the children of Israel and the prophets of Baal gathered together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us two bulls, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers with fire... Well, he is God. So the stage is set, right? The people of Israel have abandoned their covenant that they made with God at Sinai. They have broken the law. They have forgotten their calling to be a chosen people. They have shirked the cause of justice and have turned to worshiping other gods. So God sends prophets to call the people out and to call the people back. Elijah has been doing this work for a while now and has the opportunity here to challenge the priests of one of the foreign gods, a fertility and rain god named Baal, to a public battle on top of a mountain. Jumping to verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, that's Elijah's burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and for good measure all the water that Elijah had poured on top of it just to show off. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord is God. The Lord, He is God. Elijah has, on this mountain, professed courageous faith in God, proved God's supremacy, and created, curated, a transformative encounter for the people with God and has called them back to obedience. So God shows up on the mountain, Elijah wins, the mob kills off the priests of Baal, and they recommit to the God of Israel. But this event has also moved the royal family from being annoyed with Elijah to being pretty sure that they need to get rid of Elijah. So the prophet goes on the run. And in the next chapter, he once again is climbing a mountain. 1 Kings 19, I'm going to read from 11 to 14. Then God said, 
Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind tore through the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Suddenly, a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altar, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and now they seek my life. From here, God gives Elijah insight into what seems like the total chaos of the prophet's life. From this place of fear and anxiety, if we kept reading, we would see that God gives Elijah a path to follow and a sense of clarity Encourage. It gives Elijah something to do. Elijah has had, like Moses, a personal direct encounter with the divine. In both of these mountain encounters, God has revealed something of God's character to Elijah. On Mount Carmel in the previous chapter, God showed off God's power and zeal for his people. And now, here we see God's love for the prophet as the divine voice speaks tenderly to Elijah. Okay, so tuck that away in your brain, and we'll circle back around to it. But now let's jump forward in the story, something like 800 years, to the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. In the chapter leading up to today's lectionary text, Jesus has had conflict with the religious leaders of his day concerning his identity and his ministry. The disciples have reached confessional clarity about who Jesus is. You're the Messiah. And Jesus has begun to talk about his coming death. From here, Jesus leads his inner circle, Peter, James, John, and us with them up a mountain. Today's lectionary passage has us revisiting Matthew 17, the, the passage called the Transfiguration. I'll read from verse 1 to verse 9. Jesus took with him Peter, James, and his brother John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make Three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and were overcome with fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, Get up, and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been 
raised from the dead. Remembering our opening premise about the book of Matthew, the author of Matthew wants the readers to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment and continuation of the Old Testament. So what are we supposed to see here? First, we should be tipped off with the disciples. The disciples should see this coming too. As we climb the mountain, that we are headed for something big. God likes to show up on the top of mountains. Our shock at Jesus' transfiguration, his face shone like the sun, should in part be because we've seen this before. It's the same language from that Exodus passage. This is a clue that we are re-entering the Sinai story. Jesus looks like Moses in this scene. What other clues might we find that we're secretly revisiting Sinai? How about verse 5? Suddenly a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud, a voice. At Sinai, the people saw God arrive like a cloud of smoke on the mountain, and God's voice was to them like the sound of thunder. How about clues that we're re-entering the Elijah stories? Just as Elijah was dealing with the adversarial priests who were in the employ and under the protection of the royal family of his day, Jesus is leading his followers into this event as it becomes clear that his conflict between him and the religious political leaders of the day is going to lead to his death. Maybe we could even see Jesus' movement into this space up the mountain as a retreat, like Elijah fleeing into the mountains, even if it's just for a moment of rest and prayer from the conflict. Like Elijah, when he goes to hide from Jezebel and her forces on the mountain where God would speak to him. So these clues should be queuing up our Bible brand. There should be some bells and sirens going off. And if these clues weren't enough, Matthew makes it explicit for us when Moses and Elijah show up. Matthew is trying to make a point here. Do you see it? Jesus is like a new Moses. Jesus is like a new Elijah. But more than that, Jesus is redeeming, expanding, continuing the ministry of these characters. Matthew wants us to see Jesus as a leader, a lawgiver, an intermediary between God and humans like Moses, as well as a prophet, a justice seeker, and a reformer like Elijah. And like both of these Old Testament leaders, Jesus calls us to a renewed life of obedience. Maybe this is part of what Jesus is talking about when he says that he has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. The transfiguration offers us a glimpse into who Jesus is and what Jesus offers us and calls us towards. It reveals Jesus' power and supremacy. This is my son, the beloved with whom I am pleased. Just a few chapters ago, Jesus climbed another mountain and presented his law like Moses. We call that passage the Sermon on the Mount. And now these teachings have been validated by the voice of God from a cloud. This is my son. Listen to him. 
Jesus, like Elijah and the prophets, is calling out sin and calling out injustice and calling us towards obedience and a newness of life in the kingdom of God. Jesus embodies the legacy of the work that God has been doing through his chosen people. As God promised to Abraham back in Genesis 12, God's going to bless all the families of the earth. And now we are invited to be a part of that story. We are invited up the mountain into the story. Jesus brings us up the mountain for this transformative encounter with the divine. Jesus invites us to join him in what he is doing in the world. The same way as God on Mount Sinai called the people to be his people, a holy people, a community of priests, that is, a people who shows the world what God is like, who represent God to the world. The same way that God on Mount Carmel showed the people and called the people to lay down their idols and enter a life of faith and obedience. The same way that God on Mount Hermon spoke tenderly to Elijah and told the prophet that his story was not finished and that God still had a purpose for him. Jesus has taken us up the mountain. Jesus has revealed himself to us in transformational encounters. Jesus has called us to a new life of obedience. Jesus has called us to a new identity as priests, people who represent God to the world. Jesus has called us to right worship and a life of trust and courageous faith. Jesus has called us to lay down anything that gets between us and our relationship with God. Jesus has called us tenderly and lovingly into his family, the church, and given us purpose and mission. Jesus has called us into prophetic life of justice and peacemaking, setting the world right, bringing about the kingdom of God. Jesus has invited us to be part of the story of God reconciling the whole world to God's self. And why has Jesus brought us into this story? Why has he brought us up the mountain? Not for our sake. That's, that's Peter's instinct. He asks the question for us so that he gets embarrassed instead of us. When he says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. No. Moses brings us up the mountain. Jesus brings us up the mountain so that he can send us back down. Jesus brings us into relationship with himself, not just for our own sake, but for the sake of the whole world. Jesus has initiated our transformation for the sake of mission, for the sake of the church, and for the sake of the world to bless all the families of the earth. Our encounters, our faith, our sanctification, our salvation, our relationship with God should send us racing back down the mountain, back into the world as people ready to show the world what God is like, who Jesus is, and what the Spirit is up to. Our time on the mountain with Jesus, be it in personal study, weekly worship, religious experience, or prayer, should catapult us back out into the world as the hands and feet of Christ. 
living like residents of the kingdom of God, giving an example of faithful living, being a people of sacrificial love, being people who call out and face down injustice and who live on mission for Christ. This is the call of the transfiguration, to be ourselves transformed. Like the lawgiver and the prophet, we have had a personal encounter with the divine. We have been given new work. We have been given tools to do the work and the encouragement we need to live into our new calling, to follow Jesus back down the mountain and live out the kingdom of God 